thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for just blessing us and just bringing us together midweek, Lord. We just ask that you be in this message, Lord, and your word is just an encouragement to others, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And in some cases, it could be a sensitive subject, but your encouragement is just something that we need to learn to lean on. We love you, praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I'm going to share from a perspective we're all family here, right? Brothers and sisters. And I feel that I wanted to share um, a part of what has happened to Veronica, who's my wife. But I just don't want it to be about Veronica, right? I want to be able to share so that you have an understanding of where she was to what God is doing. And I want it to be an encouragement to the body as well, because I know through Realm and other conversations that there are many that are not alone. We're not alone. There's a lot of things. You don't even need to say it, right? God knows it. So you, you know you're sitting there, and this message is for you. But the reason I wanted to do this message was just as an encouragement as far as what God is doing. God allows us to go through obstacles and situations now for a specific reason. I can only say that because God is love, he's hope, and his peace allows me to say that. When you're in a situation like that, that is the most difficult thing that you could hear someone say, right? But it's very, very true when you know the characteristics of what and who God is. So please take this time to be strengthened. This is what better time than communion, right? Because afterwards we can have that intimacy and be one with the Savior and lay those things at his feet. If he is mighty and if he's strong, he's loving and gentle, then we can easily bring those things to him. When we walk through those doors as Christians, as believers, are we not supposed to put on a smile? Are we not supposed to have a happy heart? Are we going to go through, we, maybe we shouldn't even be going through any type of stress, illness, disease, or let's say a life-altering circumstance. We come to church faithfully. We read our Bibles consistently. We have Christian friends. We serve and we pray all the time. But is that statement true? Right? Should we never face issues or problems? The Bible is full of promises, full of hope for believers, but it's also filled with pain, trials, and tribulations. 66 books full of love, hope, history, examples of do's and don'ts, a guide to help us when problems find, find us. But this is God's word. It's there to assure us that he is with us, that he'll never leave us. Now, things happen in a believer's life that sometimes is very, it's unthinkable. Your world is turned upside down. Why now? Why me? Why my family? For those that know Veronica, she's my wife, and she's been through a lot. She is an amazing woman, and I've known her for 16 plus years, and I can truly say that she's a Proverbs 31 woman, through and through, and those that know her would say the same. But she continues to have experiences that are unthinkable. As a believer, you would think, well, perfect, a Proverbs 30 woman should run through life without any issues, but that's not the case. She's had two brain surgeries, and recently a seizure on Christmas Day, of all days. Now, her condition is called cavernomous enigmia. Now, there is no cure for it. All it could be is monitored. So that leaves Veronica and us that love her 
in an unknown state. I remember going to bed that night. Usually I go downstairs, I lock up, and we were, at a, we were at an Airbnb, so my boys were there and my parents were there. Veronica went to bed and about 30 minutes into it, she had her seizure. Um, I knew what was happening right away, so I called the boys over because they were across the way. They called 911. My mom ran up and we stayed with her. We just prayed with her and we gave her her space to, to ride it out. My dad waited outside for the paramedics to let them in and when they arrived, they were amazing to Veronica. They took care of her, they loved her and that was an amazing thing to see. And after checking Veronica, they moved her into the ambulance and she headed off to the hospital. Now I had two, two boys behind and I had my parents behind and I knew Veronica was taken care of for a period of time because they had to check her, her vitals checked out everything. So I stayed behind. And as the leader of the home, I needed to reset and put these boys on a, on a reminder that God has mommy, right? So I stayed behind. We prayed together. We had our emotions together. And after that, and I knew that they were in a comfortable state, I left to be with Veronica. Now, when I got in that car and before I started the engine, I felt a sense of helplessness, right? No direction. And the only reason was, is because it was a new obstacle to us. This was brand new. Everything else we could monitor, but this is something that was part of her situation. And it was just a concerning feeling. But when I arrived at the, bless you, when I arrived at the hospital, I pulled up and I spent several hours with Veronica and they monitored her, they provided the medication to help prevent any other seizures from occurring. Remember I had my cell phone, so I knew I had prayer warriors behind us, so I reached out on Realm. And it was well past midnight, and the first one to respond, Pastor It, and then after that, several others. And I remember showing Veronica, and it was just an encouragement to know people were immediately praying. And at a certain point, the doctors cleared Veronica and sent us on our way. Now the support of this body, receiving meals, rides, assistance for Veronica and my boys, because Veronica can't drive for a couple months, has been amazing. Now, we recently met with the neurosurgeon, and he was the one that performed Veronica's second brain surgery. Now, that was an awesome answer to prayer. Um, we wanted someone that has been involved with Veronica, and it makes the situation a little more comforting. But this doctor, it was weird to say, and it's weird for me to say it, but I was somewhat jealous of him. He's a great guy. He's very, very smart. But the reason I'm jealous is due to him being the only man to ever get inside Veronica's head. <laughs> I've tried for 16 years and uh, no luck there. <laughs> but amen, right? Joy in the Lord. <laughs> so Veronica, right, in the state she is, will forever, ever be under the care of those doctors um, until the Lord raptures us, right? Hopefully it's any minute, or he takes her in his time. But we have to understand prayer, for, prayer is powerful, and it's not often our first choice. It's a powerful weapon. Now continue to pray for her, but not just her, those in the body. I think of Veronica, and then I think beyond it. We are hurting. We are unsure of certain situations when we are. Others have gone through challenges in the past. People say, time heals all wounds. 
But what if the wound never healed? It's almost like it happened yesterday every time it's brought up. They might be going through challenges right now or will eventually face them in the future. Like I mentioned, I love the support we have. The church, the family, our friends. You were there in times of trouble. And not just us. I know there's been other situations where the church has taken care of your loved one or have been there. It's awesome to be part of that body. It's important, that fellowship, that communion. But like I said, God brought me to a place of hopelessness to remind me that I could do nothing for Veronica and that I needed to stop relying on my own strength. I was full of fear, and the fear came from the unknown. I didn't know what was next. And if you've ever been in that situation, it's very debilitating. The fear left me asking why. But through the trials that I've been in in my life with Christ, I knew that I couldn't stay there for long. Knowing God, I knew exactly what to do. I prayed with Veronica. I prayed with the boys. I prayed with my parents. And I love knowing I have prayer, the ability to lay Veronica's fears, the boys' fears, my family's fears, my own fears at God's feet. Now, you have to understand, God knows we, we are a fearful creation. Our tendency is not to always trust. We will always think the worst in some cases. So this is where I want to turn. I have a couple of scriptures, so I'll be bouncing Old New Testament. So please follow along, jot it down, a way to go back in any type of situation that you face. So we're going to go into Isaiah 41.10. So fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So you have to understand the context of what we were just reading. The fear, the fear of the Israelite people, it was coming from the threat of war from their neighboring nations. And God wanted his people to not fear. God delights in replacing our fear with his peace. Does he not? When God commands us not to be afraid, implied within the commands means God is giving us the grace, the strength, and the ability to comply. But when he hands us those things, it now becomes a choice. We have a choice to take on God's power, his strength, and his grace. But in those situations and those fearful things come along, we often choose not to do those things. And in some cases, it would be considered disobedience because he's asked us not to fear. In the Bible, we find commands of encouragement to not feel fear, to take courage, fear not more than 300 times. So I think he's trying to tell us something, right? If I repeat myself to Noah and Liam, it's because it's something important. I want it to stick. And obviously, God knows that we have a problem with fear. Now, God doesn't want us to be consumed by fear. Our fears don't surprise him. It's not a boogeyman style, but it does surprise us. And that's why it's so hindering, because it's unplanned. And it comes at sometimes the worst situations. 
right? When things are smooth and calm, everything is fine. But when those situations come, they're life-altering. We need to realize that God is not disappointed in us when we have fears. Noah and Liam, again, are your own children. When they were fearful, were you upset with them? Did you leave them alone? Or did you come alongside them to hold their hand? Not necessarily fix the problem, but be there to see them through the problem. And that's the way Christ sees us. That's the way God is there for us. God encourages us not to fear so that we will trust in his presence and know he is listening and ultimately working on our behalf. God knows us in and out. He created us. He knows when we, He knows we're going to get worried. He knows we're going to be anxious. He knows it. He knows we are human and full of fault. Yet, God gives us many reminders to fear not. To fear not means to trust God instead of believing your situation or that present situation is bigger than God. God wants us to trust him, to trust that he will be enough regardless of how big your situation is. To believe that you will never question or ever fail, God, in any type of situation, especially a life-altering situation, is it wrong? Peter believed that he would never let Jesus down. He saw himself as brave, totally sold out for the Lord. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 34, I'll read it for you. Jesus is telling Peter, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter, again, not me, Lord. You have the wrong person. There is no way I will fail you. But you continue to read, and you see that Peter found out that Jesus was right. He heard that rooster crow, and he wept bitterly. But do we see God leaving him? Do we see God disappointed with him? He was ever present there and into, the, into his history. Peter faced his fears and his weakness, but God ultimately equipped Peter to become a mighty witness. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, I want to read it because if God knew that, Ma that Peter was going to fail, why would Jesus give him this statement? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In this passage, Jesus was assigning Peter, of Peter and eventually the other apostles a very crucial role in introducing the gospel to the world. In Christ's name, they were to, they were to declare that the Messiah and faith in him only would get them the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. In his name, they would also exercise discipline within the church, setting standards for both what is true and how that truth should be practiced. When the apostles declare something bound or loose in Jesus' name, the power that resides in heaven will respond and make it so. So God knew Peter would fail, but still assigned him a calling that would ultimately change those around him and the world. But he wasn't disappointed because Peter failed due to his fear. The Bible tells us that God is not the originator of fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now the enemy, Satan, loves for us to be afraid. 
And the reason is, is because when we're afraid, our eyes are off of Christ. Our eyes are off of our Savior. Again, using Peter. Peter saw Jesus walking on water, and he wanted to join him. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Let's turn there. It's a little bit longer of a reading, but I, I want to go over it. Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 33. So it says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So the weather was not great when Peter decided to make this decision, but he was looking at Jesus. So he decided to do it. Peter stepped out of the boat, felt the water beneath his feet, one step, two step, three step, and then eventually started to look. And he took his eyes off of Jesus, and it says that he immediately started to sink. But does that not happen to us? Do we not have a tendency to take our eyes off of Jesus and we look at the winds and waves? And when we get scared, what, that ha- what happens is it has a tendency to eclipse our faith and struggle it out. And that's why we have a tendency to stay there. But it's important to know that when Peter called out to the Lord, Jesus did not reprimand him. He didn't shame Peter. It says that he immediately reached out to him, lifting him out of his situation, just like God did for my family and continues to do that for us now. But not just that, you as well. Him holding that hand, helping you go through that situation. You have to understand God is a present help in any situation. But do you remember when I read Isaiah 41.10 earlier? We read that you're not to fear not, for I am with you. But there was also a portion there where Jesus says, or God says, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, I looked at that and I said, well, he emphasized the right hand, right? And we have to understand that that right hand or that right position is a place of honor and status. And we see it throughout the whole Bible. When the Bible makes the statement that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, it's affirming that he is equal. He has that equal status to the Father within the Godhead. And he's willing to reach out that hand to you, to me, in that situation to help us, to be with us. 
Now, when we look at faith and fear, what would you say the difference is? Faith believes without seeing the desired results. And that's backed by Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And fear worries about how things will turn out, looking at the circumstances. When we think of fear and we're caught in those situations, we think of 99 ways that it could go wrong. But the percentage of those ever going wrong, probably minimal, right? But it has a tendency to really hold us back. But I ask you, is it possible to have faith in God and still be fearful? Yeah. We don't doubt that God is able to work. We're just not sure how he's going to choose to do that. We think about our circumstance and we come up with ideas. When that doctor walks through that door, he's going to say she's healed. He's fixed. Our problem has gone away. The doctor's going to call us. The teacher's going to tell us, you name it. We come up with our own solution. And when it doesn't come, we usually question. But the problem is, are we not often wrong? But the reason is, is we, the Bible tells us God's ways are much higher than our ways. I am thankful, and maybe many here are thankful, that God never answered your prayer in regards to what you wanted. Because in those situations, when you look back, you would have received something that wasn't planned for you. Now, in Isaiah chapter 55, 8 through 9, we see where God says that his ways are higher. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it's important to understand why God tells us not to be afraid. It's not because he's minimizing the situation that we're going through. He's not saying it's easy. God tells us in this world that we will face trials, which is unfortunate, but it's a guarantee. In John chapter 16, verse 33, John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So God tells us to fear not. And the reason he says that is because he goes through those trials with us. He is there no matter what we are facing. And when you have children to be with them, to help them in that situation, you can see the fear alleviate when you're holding their hand and you're going through it. Right? And that's where that faith comes in. We need to have that faith that Christ is there holding us. God tells us to fear not, like I said, because he goes through those trials with us. In Psalms 46, 1 through 3, I'll read it to you. Psalms 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength. And see, this is why I love the Bible. This is why we should be so in-depth with it. How many scriptures have I already just delivered that tells you, do not fear, be cur and that's minimal. There's over 300 and more to give you. God is so awesome and so loving. He gives us the ability right here. But let me continue. Psalms 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. We need to understand that 
when we dwell on God's truth and his character, we can hold fast. Every one of us probably ha- you know, holds on to a specific scripture, right? When time, when that trouble knocks, there's always that scripture that we go to. It's that assuring scripture. Mine is Deuteronomy 31.6, but I'm going to read Deuteronomy 31.6 through 8 to give you the whole context of what was happening here. But that is what I hold on to from a new believer until the Lord takes me home anytime, good, bad, and different. That's the scripture I hold on to. Deuteronomy 31.6 through 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble, tremble, uh, tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. This is it. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Continuing in the verse, then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you shall go with the people into the land which the Lord was, has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you will give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So you have to understand, Moses was speaking these words to the Israelites before they were to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And he also turned to Joshua to give him that same reassurance because we see Joshua becomes God's leader for his people. Moses is going to stay behind. The Israelites learned to trust and follow the Lord. It took 40 years, but they eventually got to the point of that trust. Now Moses tells and reminds them that the Lord will be the one that will cross the Jordan River before them. He will defeat the Canaanite nation and give them the land that he promised to his forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Through Moses, he said, be strong, courageous, do not fear. He meant it then, but it's still relevant today. Satan wants us to feel as if God has left us all alone. When I teach the children upstairs, I always tell them, never stay down. Always get back up. But you don't have to get up on your own strength. God is reaching down, and all you have to do is grab that hand, right? We have a tendency to say, my sin was too big. He'll never forgive me. Name whatever it is. But Satan loves for you to stay in that state. But it's not true. No matter what you will face, God is right there for the believer. His promises is all we need to do is hold on and to believe them. Be obedient to them. It's always good to remember what God has done. I've been a a Christian for some time now, and when I run into trials, I have a tendency to look back. And the reason I look back is because I see God's handprint, his footprint all over my past. And it encourages me that I might have not felt him during that time, but I can see it after the effect, right? So it's always awesome to see where God has taken you and where he's bringing you so that when you face it again, you know you're ready to face it. I know, I love knowing that Jesus has me and all I have to do is push through and hold on. But we have to understand as believers, we have to accept the fact that we will go through difficult times. The good news is not a promise of health and wealth, Right? In no way is that the gospel. That is the wrong gospel. Isaiah 43, verse 2 tells us, 
I'll read this to you. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. So take courage that we will walk through waters as we bury loved ones. And when the rivers of our fears seem to wash over us and our fiery trials threaten to burn us, God's promises stand firm. He will be with us in times of loneliness. He will be with us when we suffer physically. God will be with us. But we can take heart, right, in these situations. We can be courageous. We don't have to fear because he will never leave us or forsake us. But you have to understand, you are not alone. When you become a child of God, you do not have to rely on your own strength. Unfortunately, the world doesn't know that peace, and they are very lost, and they don't have that hope. That's why they go to extreme measures to end that fear. For us, when our strength runs out, that's when God steps in and says, finally, now I can do my work. He says, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for, your yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this communion, I want it just to encourage you, and I want it to give you a glimpse into my family's life. You are considered family to me, but not to show you or tell you the situations we are going in, but just to encourage you that the God that we serve is mighty. He's loving. He is there with us. And in times of fear, he has given us multiple scriptures of assurance that he has us and that we should not fear. When this world around us falls apart and the, that hope out there is no longer something that we can even consider, we know that God's word will always stand firm and that we can always be with him. So please take this time during communion as a way of remembrance. But don't only use this time, this one Wednesday, the first of the month. That type of communion should be all the time. We tell the children upstairs, when you have a relationship with someone you love, you talk to them daily. And it doesn't have to be so systematic. You know, pray like this, do like this. Jesus even gave us examples of what to do and what not to do. But... I always want them to be encouraged to have that relationship. And I encourage the body here as well. Those situations that take us, pray, be with him, read his word. You're not alone. He's the only one that will ever, ever be by your side and take care of you. So he deserves this time. He deserves this time of communion, of remembrance, and that oneness. So I'm going to end in prayer, and then we'll start with communion. Okay. Thank you, Lord, just again, just for your love, your grace. Your, your words of encouragement, Lord. There's nothing I could do without you. Everything that I read that gave me courage was from you, was from your word, Lord. May we just be a body that continues to pray that we continue to lay these things at your feet, Lord. For those that are hurting, for those that have wounds that, are, that will never close, Lord. For those that are facing situations, for those that will be facing situations, Lord. May you be ever present to them. May you get all the honor. May you give all the glory. But may you also give them that peace, Lord. Only that peace that you could deliver. Those that are sick, 
May you help the doctors find what's wrong. And if not, may you help us understand, Lord, or the one going through it to have your peace. May you answer those prayers that are needed the way that you see fit, Lord. Your word tells us your ways are far mightier than us. So why would we question you? We just ask that you help us, Lord, in those situations like your word says you will. We love you, praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.